0: It's good to see you all. It's a good day, whether it's raining or whether it's the sun shining. We're glad you're here to be with the people of God. And before we open up God's Word and before we dig into it, uh, there's still a couple things we want to talk about here. So we've got this kid's sermon notebook that we've been uh, talking about for the past few weeks. And those are ready and those are out. So if you're a kid and you're in grade 6, coming out of SR Kids, and you're saying, well, I want to be able to follow along and I'm up to grade 8, maybe grade nine, I don't know, maybe you're a little older and you still want to learn uh, how to connect well with what's being said from the pulpit here. Take one of these books. They're at the table. When you come in over there, it says Kids Sermon Notebooks. Inside, you can, uh, there's some good things in there. There's ways to hear certain things, to write down what you're hearing, like what's the point of this? What passage are we in? What song was really good today? So uh, the other thing is, Keep those with you. Bring those each Sunday with you. And I think we're doing these quarterly for the kids. So if you take these with you each week, get them ready when, the, when we're about to start preaching God's word and follow along. Some adults have asked for them too, but they want an adult version. They said, hey, that's a pretty clever idea. I'd like to have one of those too. I, I'd like to follow along. Sometimes there's some things in there that uh, Pastor Jay or Pastor Matt or whoever says that are maybe I, I'm not sure what that word means or maybe it'll help me to stay uh, focused on so we have these two made up so this one here says my chronicles this is for the ladies we wanted to you know kinda dress it up a little so you did not look like this Everything's so boyish because guys like me are designing them right so here, here's a ladies version inside there's not as many fun things to do maybe as the kids I don't know if you wanna color or not but you, you're more than welcome to it's yours you can do what you like with it right uh, and this is for the guys So this is testaments it's called you see the granite look to it real appealing to men right Same thing. So they're over at the table too. This one we put out for about six months worth. So you should keep it with you. It should be small enough that you can carry it with your Bible or with your stuff. If you need one, they're over there at that table. You know, speaking of bold moves, we've had uh, some good messages. We've had some good videos. There's been a lot of good things happening. You know, we're wearing red shirts that say bold moves. You know, people wonder why are you wearing that? Because we are trying to get you to see how not just you know excellent it is but how fun it is that when you serve god it's actually really cool because you get a great joy when you make a bold move for him when you connect with your neighbor when you talk to the person at school whether it's someone at the grocery store it's a great opportunity to to glorify god by talking about him or doing the small things so if you want to do a bold move go online go to our website there's right here as you see there's a little Uh, website address right there. You can click on that and it'll tell you what to do. Or just contact the office and we'll help you through that. Speaking of bold moves again, we're going to continue through another bold move. And this is the last one of our series, um, Bold Moves of the Bible. So we think we do bold moves. Well, those people in the Bible, they did some serious bold moves. And we're going to wrap up today with what I think is an incredibly passionate woman who is did an extremely bold move for Jesus and for her family. But something made me think while I was preparing. I said, you know, as I was reading through this passage, I looked and I said, you know, there's some weird things happening here that it's not kind of the norm in Scripture, especially with Jesus. And I wonder if I ever act kind of in a peculiar way to people when they come to me. Like, for instance, when my family comes to me and they want to... Um, Talk to me about something and I kind of brush them off. You know, you, you, have you ever experienced that when you, you want to go to someone in your family and you say, hey, uh, can I talk to you about something? Hey, I want to talk to you. And they're like, yeah, yeah, hold on a sec. I'm busy. Just, just a minute. Have you ever done that to someone? Have you ever done that to your kids? Well, unfortunately, and to my shame, I've done that to my family at times. It's, you know, I'm too busy for the moment or I'm tired, I need rest. Like, let's talk about it tomorrow. Or let's talk about it later. Can can you just leave me alone for a little bit? And, you know, I can hear my son, for instance. Hey, Dad, Dad, I I need you to help me with something. Dad, can you listen to me? Are you paying attention? And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, what was that? Hold on a second. Uh, Actually, let's talk about that later. And he's like, no, Dad, please, listen to me. I need you to pay attention right now. I need you. And what do I do? Well, a good father stops in his tracks, right? And he says, okay, what is it, son? What do you need? I hope that's our response when people do that to us, but I want you to see something that happens in this text that we're about to look through and see how uh, the response is, appears to be kind of in a rude way, the way that you'd brush off someone, but actually moves toward a good response. So on the one hand, when my son is saying this to me, He's, being, he's like demanding my time. It might seem a bit even disrespectful or a little snarky at times. Well, on the other hand, it's probably me being a little you know, lazy and maybe a bit of a jerk, which is probably the truth there, right? But if you step back and see the situation, depending on what my son Sterling's need is, you know, it might be just that he's being bold because he really needs me. His boldness is what's shining through. Not necessarily a disrespectful kid. He's not just like, "Hey, Dad, uh, look at this! Look at my latest little video game thing." And I know you're busy right now. He's, "No, I need you right now. Can you help me? I'm crying out to you in a sense. Please stop what you're doing and give me your full attention to help." So, as we continue in our bold moves of the Bible, I want you to turn with me to see an amazing, amazing interaction between an unlikely and desperate person and yet a but gracious Jesus. We've seen in Daniel uh, with Pastor Matt, you know, three young men that display bold faith. And last week, we've seen how the way God works to draw people uh, into, to respond boldly, boldly in certain situations in Acts 16. And today, we're going to take a look in the Gospel of Mark. So we're gonna look at Mark chapter seven, verse 24. Mark chapter seven, verse 24 to 30. And if you're able, could you please stand with me as we read God's word? We are holding in our hands the most incredible book in all of history, the word of God. This is the only book that God has written and given to man And speaks to us. When we open this, he's speaking, folks. This is amazing. So let's read this together, knowing how powerful of a word, of a book that you hold in your hands this morning. Mark 7, 24. And from there, he, Jesus, arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And Jesus said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And Jesus said to her, For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Lord, let us see you. Let us see how you operate. Let us learn of you this moment as we learn of the example of this encounter between this woman and Jesus. Lord, teach us your ways. Help us to see you in all of your splendor. Help us to see you in how you work in lives, how your providence works out, how you test us, how you put us through certain things. Yet you're not just doing it because you're capricious and careless, but you care for us, and you have an outcome that is good for us, Lord. So, And you're glorified in this. So we pray that you would be glorified today. We pray that we would know you better. In Jesus' name. If you please take a seat. So in our text today, a little backdrop, we see that Jesus was desiring to get away from the crowds. Jesus has been uh, ministering uh, heavily in the Galilee area, and he has been tested by the religious leaders of the day. He's been bombarded with them. They are a really um, hard group that really wants to, to tear him down, to bring him down, to discredit him, to try to get him off his game, as you were. And yet, so Jesus is looking to go this way to Tyre and Sidon to to get a rest, as it were, to get away from the crowds. And, you know, it's interesting that he chooses this place to get get rest, to get away from the crowds. He withdraws from that frenzy in Galilee, and he travels northwest to the district of Tyre and Sidon. So uh, that's just up out of Israel. And actually, it's north of Israel, yet it's uh, Gentile territory that is uh, called southern Lebanon now. And it's an uh, ancient Phoenicia, now southern Lebanon. And it's on the east coast of the Mediterranean Sea. So Jesus has made his way up, made his way up out of Galilee, and he's on to this place that is no longer Jewish territory, but a Greek Gentile territory. And what's interesting is that Jesus is looking to get rest, and Jesus isn't going to find rest at this moment. Does he know this? Oh, I believe he does. I believe that everything that Jesus does, is calculated and yet so he continues up to this house looking to get there looking to set a, set his feet up as it were to take a break from all the frenzy and uh, to be hidden as it were as it says in verse 24 and yet it's hard when you're the most popular person of the day you know what it's like for celebrities you see them on TV a lot of times they're wearing hoodies they're wearing sunglasses a baseball hat they have people protecting them they're sneaking out at night you know, they're going through the alleyway instead of out in front of the store. They're trying to avoid the crowds. And you can picture the paparazzi you know, like hiding behind them in the corner or out there with their cameras. Like There they are. There's Jesus. I mean, the paparazzi of that day, can you imagine them being there? I know they were like, the word was spreading like crazy. Jesus is so popular because of the things that were surrounding him and, and the, the events and the things he was doing. Jesus was healing people all over the place. He was speaking things that have never been spoken before. And even up in Tyre and Sidon, they have heard about this. This is not a secret anymore. Jesus can't be hidden like he was maybe desiring to get rest because he's the, the celebrity. He's the hot shot of the day, as it were. Think of it. A healer were to come here today to go across the land of Canada, to go into a hospital and to just drastically change everybody. To take people that were crippled and give them the ability to walk. People were blind, deaf. Now they're able to hear and see. That fame would spread quickly. We'd have people lined up if he was at the hospital. Lined up people bringing their own sick people to him. So it's hard to keep someone like that hidden. And An interesting quote I read was uh, trying to hide Jesus' like picture perfume. Perfume. The person wrote, betrays itself. So he, Jesus, whose name is perfume poured out cannot be hid. You know when someone's wearing strong perfume and they walk into a room, it's hard, that you can't hide that. Jesus is like that. You can't hide someone as incredible as him. And in verse 25 we see that it doesn't take long for Jesus' cover to be blown. Here in verse 25 it says that immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. And so the story starts, the plot thickens as it were. So now that Jesus has been uncovered as it were, he's no longer a secret, right away here comes a woman to him and she's got an issue to bring to him. So rest is off the table now, it's time to get to work. And she says to him, I need something from you. And there's a little bit of a problem as this plot thickens because first, it's a woman coming to talk to Jesus. And on top of that, she's a pagan, a gentile. And to understand that back in those days, women weren't thought of and looked upon the way they are today. There was no feminist movement happening. There was no equal rights talk back then. Women were here, men were here. And on top of it, if you're a Jew, it's certainly not kosher to be hanging out and talking to a woman that is a pagan, a gentile. She's unclean, she's unworthy. We have nothing to do with them. You know, that's unfortunate that it happened like that 2,000 years ago. And yet we know, praise God, that things have changed a lot. that we look at our brothers and sisters today, we look out at our sisters as it were, and we don't as it were, and we don't see them as less than. We see them as equal now. And we'll see that, actually, in this passage, there's something happening and going to happen. That'll kind of be a preamble, as it were, to breaking that horrible trend in history. So we have pagan woman, Gentile, nemesis of the past, the people she's part of, of Tyre and Sidon. The Jews certainly wanted nothing to do with her, with her people. They even forbid it. And they were, you know, as I said, looked upon as unclean. And it's interesting, the stories, if you read behind it, and if you read it in Mark chapter seven, you'll see that Jesus actually is dealing with unclean and clean. He really wants you to understand what, what that really means. So if you have a time after, maybe take some time and read through Mark chapter seven to see what unclean and clean really means. They didn't understand that in that day. They were confused by it. And it actually was hard to break as you read. You hear about Peter, his struggles, and Paul tackling that later on to see really what is it that God is doing with people are people in classes different like are you worse than me because you're a different color or you're a different religion or like what why are what's why are we different so much why are you here and i'm here and you'll see that jesus is going to obliterate that in him there's also something happening i think there's it's an allusion to, and I, you wanna be careful not to say that this is a typology here, that's something Jesus is mentioning is way back in the Old Testament. And that means that it, he's fulfilling that right now. In some ways, I think he is, but I wanna be careful because it's not directly said here. It's not, uh, you know, it's not rooted perfectly in that Old Testament text. It's more of an allusion to. So Mark, you know, when he's writing, he's careful to tell us that she's a Syrophoenician, there's something happening. She's not just a woman, she's a Syrophoenician woman and a resident of Tyre and Sidon. And this you know, might bring back, which I think might be happening here with Jesus, the time when the great prophet Elijah, he was in that very same area. And what happened then? He provided bread for a desperately poor widow and then brought her son to life from the dead. And that's in uh, 1 Kings 17. And yet, however, there's another story happening in the Old Testament that might be, be thought of Maybe they are understanding this as Jesus is going to encounter this woman. It's the story of another Syrophoenician woman in the life of Elijah, and that's Jezebel. You've heard of Jezebel. That's not a good name to name your kid, by the way. I've heard people naming their kids. Name your kid Jezebel, your daughter. I'm like, do you know who she was? It's like naming your kid Lucifer, which people are doing today, which is crazy, right? Like, why would you want to name your kid the worst of the worst? You know, that's what people want to do nowadays. But So this Jezebel was a a very unsavory and wicked woman of the Old Testament in 1 Kings. And Jezebel was a Sidonian woman. And she had married King Ahab, the king of Israel. And Ahab's marriage to Jezebel was a significant factor in the apostasy and eventual downfall of his own royal house. And indeed, the entire nation of Israel at the time. Through Jezebel, Baal worship was introduced to Israel. Jezebel was the driving force behind the wholesale slaughter of the prophets of God. Indeed, Jezebel tried to assassinate Elijah himself. Jezebel arranged the cold-blooded murder of a man just to get a hold of his property. Finally, you see that God's word came through Elijah and predicted that dogs would come and eat Jezebel's flesh. And Jezebel remained forevermore an object lesson for Israel of the disastrous consequences of consorting with the surrounding nations, especially with those corrupt Sidonian Baal worshippers. So I wonder, can't be sure here, but I wonder if Jesus is kind of alluding to that, or Mark, as I should say, when he's writing this, because they know their Old Testament, the disciples that were with him, and I'm sure if any religious leaders or Jews that were around, they would have understood maybe some of this. They're like, we're entire in Tyre and Sidon. What's the past of Tyre and Sidon with Israel? And now a Syrophoenician woman? Well, we know about a Syrophoenician woman, a couple of them. We have a good story, but we have a really bad story about a Syrophoenician woman. So what happens is when she comes up to him and confronts Jesus, it might be like, what are you thinking? Like, why are you you talking to me? Do you know who you are? Do you know who I am? And can you imagine the disciples? Actually, in Matthew, in the text that's a parallel to this, in Matthew 15, he, they're like that. They're like, Get her, send her away. She's the enemy. These are Gentiles. They're dirty. They're unclean. And they've caused us so much problems. And yet you're here talking to Jesus. There, sadly, are big borders between them. There are borders that are, seem... Uh, you know, unable to be moved, to be knocked down. And that brings us to see that being bold may cause rejection. Because you're going to see in this text that it seems like there's a major rejection, rejection about to happen. Being bold may cause rejection. Look at verse 27. After we've seen that Gentile Syrophoesian woman begging for Jesus to cast out the, her demon of her daughter, Jesus said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Yikes, that's a pretty, sounds like a pretty harsh statement. Sounds like a pretty severe rejection. So listen, uh, Gentile woman, Syrophoenician, enemy of ours, uh, pagan, please, uh, you know, go away. There's nothing for you here. You know, Jesus kind of looks like, what's interesting with this is, if you read this at first glance, you go, boy, Jesus, that's pretty harsh. You look kind of mean. You're like kind of a bully in this. Like, I thought you were loving and kind, and you're kind of rude. You know, and can you picture the disciples around? They're, like, in Matthew 15, shooing her away. Get her, let her go, get her out of here. So, yeah, Jesus, like a bully with his little gang around him, kind of echoing every bad thing he says, right? He's like, yeah, you know, this is uh, for Israel. This is not for you. You're a dog. Go away. Yeah, 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 you're a dog. Go away. Yeah, can you imagine hearing the disciples like that? I mean, it sounds awfully cold, doesn't it, when you first read this? You know, a jerky response. Just as I was feeling, a, being a jerk to my son sometimes when I kind of don't pay attention to him when he needs me. This seems even more harsh. You know, Jesus' rep- response seems to be loaded with racial, prejudiced, and misogynistic uh, you know, underlings here. Like, I, I don't like women. I don't like uh, you know, people from a different nation. Is that what's going on? Like, because other places I'm reading, you seem pretty kind to people. You you seem pretty kind to women, in fact. And you know what, here you have them saying, you know, this isn't for you. I'm not for you. Uh, I'm for the Jews, so go away, little doggy. You are less than. And I'll be honest, if it were me, that would be enough. Wouldn't that be enough for you if you were really needing something and you were going up to someone who was of such great fame that could do so many good things and you've heard so much about them and their character, and you walk up to them, and you bow down before them, you fall out of their feet, and you say, oh, please help me, I need you. Do something that only you can do. And they say, uh, sorry, not for you. Go away, little dog. I'd be like, all right, that hurt. See you later. That was pretty cold. I don't know about this guy. I don't know what I've just heard about him. I, I mean, I, don't, I thought this was somebody special. Who told me about him? You guys are liars. He's probably one of the meanest men I've ever met. He doesn't care about me, and I'm, I'm gone. That's okay. But what I love about this passage is that's not what exactly is happening. There's a test in here. Jesus is trying to invoke something in her. Let's see her faith. Let's see who she really is. Let's see what she really believes about me. She isn't backing down. I think that's incredible, too, is that she's bold, She's really bold, in fact, because I'd have my tail between my legs and I'd scurry out of there. Yet, she's like, nope, no, I'm not done yet. Right, hear me out. You know, before we get there, Jesus is also saying something that I think we need to understand. That Jesus is right, partially, well, he's right completely, but he's part, what he's saying to her is like a partial, a full truth, but it's a, but a something that is partially going to happen now and for them, and then later will happen down the road. You know, he's right to say that the gospel is for the Jews. You see, that's the key. Uh, Jesus has said something, though, that has opened the door, though. He's opened it a little bit by telling them that's first for the Jews. You know, in verse 27, pay attention, it says here. It says, if I can find them, there we go. Verse 27 says, And he said to her, Let the children be fed first. Let them be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread And throw it to the dogs. So the door's been left open a crack here. He could have just said, it's not for you at all. It's for the Jews. And that's not what he says, though. He leaves that door open ajar a a little bit, and then it swings wide open later. By stating that they're first to go to the Jews, that Jesus is here first for the Jews, he's implying there's something going to happen for the Gentiles. Don't worry. Keep coming. I'm going to give you a little bit more. Are you paying attention to that? You know, Israel was very blessed to have the gospel first. Israel was blessed in such a way to be chosen by God to have Jesus come and go first to his people, as it were. They were to be a light into the Gentiles. Jesus was there. He was the fulfillment of that. And yet, We know, tragically, there was so much rejection by the house of Israel towards Jesus. But the blessing of Israel first, and then to go out to the whole world, to start with them, and then the whole world would come to Jesus. This is what's kind of being a a little bit of a precursor to that right here. And you know, if you think about Israel, picture like a funnel, a funnel being like Israel being the funnel and water being poured in, that would be like the gospel being poured into this funnel, into a large bottle being the whole world, the Gentile world. you think of it, if Israel had have understood that they were a funnel of the gospel, what amazing things could have happened. And still amazing things happen. And praise God that in his economy, all kinds of great things are happening from that day to the day he comes back again. But this was God's design for Israel and eventually the Gentiles. From the beginning, we read, listen, if this goes way back to Genesis, we understand what Jesus is really saying. That Genesis 12one 3, it says, of God's promise to Abraham that he would make him a father of many nations. Genesis 12. This wasn't Matthew 12. This has been promised for thousands of years. Or how about jump forward to Matthew? Matthew 28, 19. Jesus is commissioning the disciples, and he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. All the nations. Or what about Acts 1.8? We are to be witnesses to Jerusalem first, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See how it starts? See how it moves? In Romans 1.16, this is great. The gospel... The gospel that we have in here is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also then to the Greek, to the Gentile. These words are so true of Jesus. His informing the plans of God in salvation, he's giving her a little bit there. He's cracked the door open with that. He's saying, first, it's to go to the Jews. But are you paying attention? It's also going to go to you. He's trying to test her to see where she's at. You know, borders that are in place, they need to be approached with boldness. And to break them down, they, they can be broken down if we will boldly approach those in, in faith. And as we've sung earlier, we're no longer slaves to fear. We don't have to be fearful. If we have faith in Christ, we can enter into those tough situations, those borders that are there between us, and know that they'll, be, they'll come tumbling down. You know, we've seen that. Firstly, that, that is what happens, that you know, there's a rejection that might happen, though, because of your boldness. We know they could be broken down. And then we see also that her being bold displays profound faith. This is what I love about this. I love the fact that she's not a coward. I love the fact that she wants what she wants, and she knows what she needs to get in Jesus, knowing that he's the only one that can do it. And she runs to him and falls at his feet and is like, I believe I'm here because I know who you are, and I know what you can do. Nobody else can do this. She has profound faith. We need to be bold and display that kind of profound faith like the Syrophoenician woman. You know, her response is so incredible. Every time I read that, I just sit back and I think, What would I do in that situation? What has God done in my life that I would respond in a little, small fashion like her? Do I have faith like that? And isn't it wonderful that God is so good to us that even if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, it can do incredible things. She, for all intents and purposes, should have packed it in. She should have T- took that rejection as a notice to get out of there, and yet she said, no way. I'm bold in you today. L- listen to her pro- reply again. She answered him and said, yes, Lord, in verse 28. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. Okay, so you're going to Israel first. I get it. I know you've come for Jews, but you've just told me that there's something for me too. There's a little crumb for me. I can have something too. And then, you know, it's like, wow, really, what an incredible response. Someone's just called you, like basically said you're a dog. It's not for you first, it's for, you know, us, us Jews. And and you say, Okay, I get it. <laughs> I get that. But I'm a dog, I, I get it, but I I'm willing to sit under the table and get a crumb. So I love it. She's not going away. She's not going away easy. She says, I'm coming here today and my child is gonna be healed or else you're a fraud really is what she's saying. You're not real because I believe and Jesus doesn't turn away people that are come to him. In John 6, 37 it says, whoever comes to me I will in no way cast out. Do you realize that today if you come to Jesus, whether you know him or not, especially if you don't know him today, you can go to him today. You can turn to Christ today. You can put all of the things aside and say, I don't care what anybody says or what else, but I know he's real. And I'm going to trust him right now. Boldly approach him. Because he won't cast you out. He will not throw you away. You know, he might test you a little bit, but he'll never, ever turn you away. And I think testing is okay. I think we should understand that. In this world, it's not easy all the time. It's not a bed of roses. It's not all lollipops and rainbows. I mean, this world, there is real hardships. There are real struggles. They're a real test of our faith and yet God is faithful even when we are faithless. So this response that she has coupled with Jesus' use of the word dog, I think we, I should help you to understand this too, is that what he's saying here is not exactly how it seems, but he's really, what the word means is not a, um, a ravenous, wild dog running in the streets eating garbage. That's not what he's calling her here, even though that's kind of what has been called in other areas of the Gentiles. But here he's calling her, it's like a little dog. Not the crazy, you know, savage, foaming at the mouth one, but the little dog, a dog, a household pet, you know, one that sits under a table and that waits for that little scrap to fall off. It's a pet dog. It's a dog, nonetheless. It still sounds pretty harsh, you know, when you think of it, but it's a pet dog, and it's meant to get her to see like we've been talking about. And that mind-blowing response, she's pretty clever too, the way she, you know, responds. I just love it, you know. She doesn't just say something, you know, disconnected from it. She goes right to what he says. Dogs eat the scraps, from the children basically you know Peter recognized this Peter recognized that Jesus was the bread of life that he was to be if he was going to feed eternally it was going to be in Christ Peter said to whom shall we go Lord and then her response is very similar in a sense I'm here for you I got nowhere else to go you are the answer you are my only hope I need you, help me. And that's when Jesus hears that great declaration of faith in that. A bold declaration. Because a faithless response or an unfaithful response would have been turn away and go. I guess it's not for me. Question for you today, question for all of us. Do you hunger like this woman did? She only needed a crumb, think of it. She only needed a crumb, believing it would bring deliverance and life. Do you go to Jesus to be delivered? To be fed? To receive life as it were? Do you realize that he is offering you today? Think of it, he's offering you more than a crumb. Jesus isn't just offering us crumbs. He's saying you can have all of me today. Do you hear that? You can have all of me. We can leave here today knowing Christ is mine and I am his and I'll never be separated from that. That I have him for all of eternity. That should excite us. We should be overwhelmed with joy. And that, that in turn should make us bold. I'm leaving here knowing that it doesn't matter what happens. I have Christ and he has me. And so when I go to talk to my neighbor or when I do that nice thing for that person, I could do that with no fear. I can be bold. No matter what borders are between us, I can do this because God has done it for me and has me. You know, you can have your sins forgiven. You can have all of the wrongs erased, as it were, in Christ. He paid the penalty for you. If you put your faith in him, he paid the penalty. He took away all of that sin if you will put your faith in him today. So as she recognized this plan of salvation was first for the Jews, then went going to the Gentiles, she was basically saying, in effect, if blessings are in store for Gentiles tomorrow... Why not already today? Why can't I have this today? Why can't you have Jesus today? Why do you have to wait till tomorrow? You don't have to wait till tomorrow. Actually, be careful. You don't have tomorrow, maybe. Think of it. He's offering you himself an eternal life right this moment, right now, right here. You know, I think of that illustration of the crumbs, and I can't help but think of my little dog, Chewy. So a couple of you have probably been privileged to see that... uh, incredible mascot of our house. His little Chewy, we named him after Chewbacca, you know, the furry long hair and the little, ah, noise he makes. I don't, I can't do it. He's, but he's like really ferocious. He's fearful, like I'm scared when I see him. He's all of three pounds. He's a little Yorkie. He's three pounds of furry fury, I call him, right? But Chewy's interesting because no matter how small he is, Chewy comes up and he positions himself just right in the right place in the right time when dinner's happening, right? Where do you think he puts himself? Right under the table, right below our feet. And he waits. See how clumsy you guys are today. Well, eat. see what I can get out of this. I'll get a little crumb. And then there's other times he'll just move outside the table when he's not getting something, and he'll look up at me and he'll give me those puppy dog eyes. You know, like the puss in boots eyes where they become big black pupils and look, almost welling up. And Chewy does that, he looks up at me, and you're like, go away, go sit down. No, then finally I'm like, okay. So what do I do? I grab a little piece of meat or a little something that he likes to eat. And you know, this little scrap of meat that I offer him, sometimes I kind of hold a lot of it, and I just hand him some. And I, I put it down and let him work at it. And he works at it, and he goes, and then sometimes he just goes for it all. He goes for the gusto. He's like, give me that. He tears it, and I'm like, whoa, savage. Savage three pounds, like it's crazy. So he takes that scrap, I've offered him a little but I'm going to give him it all. And sometimes he takes it all. But think about that Syro-Phoenician woman, how bold she is in this, that she's bold enough just to ask for a crumb and yet in God's grace and kindness he gives her the whole chunk. Think of it because there is something that will be told and fleshed out in scripture about Jew and Gentile. She's not deserving, yet God is good and, you know, she's getting way more than she bargained for. She goes there probably, you know, worried about her daughter, obviously, and needing her daughter to be healed. And yet she has faith. She's like, I believe. And isn't that sad that she believes in the Messiah as a Gentile, as an enemy? And yet the people that should have got it were right there. And they, the disciples of all people, they weren't getting what was happening here and what Jesus was doing. They hadn't paid attention to what he had said. They hadn't paid attention to the scriptures. The scriptures foretold this. Like we said, we went back to Genesis. God was going to do a great work for everybody. You don't know, think of it. This is a good hashtag. You have friends that are Jewish, that are maybe a different nationality than you, a different religion. Maybe they think, you know, maybe their standing in life is better than you. Hashtag, it's grace, not place, that makes us believers. It's grace, not place, that makes us believers. And Jesus wants you to see that. He wanted her to see that. So we see how being bold can lead to rejection, yet being bold can overcome that and can display a profound faith, which will lead to a gracious response. And that's being bold anticipates a gracious response. And anticipates a gracious response so if you're faithful if you're bold god's good he rewards those who are faithful you know jesus is all over this response of hers you know this is she's demonstrating demonstrating faith like very few have think about the people that he is coming across and that he's just coming from it's been hard people are against him and yet of all people he goes to get some rest And think about this woman that comes and the type of response she gives. She shouldn't have had that response, right? She shouldn't have thought the way. She doesn't even know him, really, know anything about, you know, hardly this God. I wonder how much she knew and how she knew so much, or if she knew anything at all, really, except for that this guy is here and can do some great stuff. But she has faith. In verse 29, we see the great response of Jesus to her. And Jesus said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed, and the demon gone. Well done, faithful servant. I'm impressed that you are faithful. I love it. Jesus does say that he is amazed at people's faith, and yet he has worked something incredible between them. Do you see that for us here? Do you see that, having, that making a bold move like this woman that it brings delight to Jesus, too? Like, why do we do this? Why do we wear red T-shirts that say, bold move? Why do we show videos of people, you know, doing bold moves? Why do we care about that? Because we're all about the glory of God here. I'm not kidding. We are all about the glory of God. You might disagree with little things here and there, but I tell you, that is, you know, MO here. That is, you know, our motive for everything we do. I can tell you, we sit around and just... Think about all the easy things we can have in life. No, we don't. We think about how we can bring glory to God. Whether it's something small and simple as a bold move. Whether it's digging into God's word. Whether it's you know, putting yourself on the line. Whether it's giving your life. Whatever it is. We want to be about God's glory. And I want you guys to see that's what Jesus wants from you. Open God's word. Read it from page to page. People were loving Jesus, loving God, and giving their lives for him. Because they wanted to bring him glory. And if you're not interested in God's glory, you won't like heaven because that's what it's all about. You get to glorify God for all eternity and you're going to love it. I'm telling you, you will love it. You'll be singing McDonald's slogans all over the place there. I'm loving it, trust me. So if you would see that Jesus takes delight in this, it'll knock down more of those fears that we've talked about. Those borders will start to come down you know, her bold faith was one instance where the borders were broke down. You know, what had kept many separated for centuries was showing forth, in this instance, a new hope of fulfillment in Jesus. Psalm 87.4 talks about, it prophesies actually about Tyre and Sidon would share in the blessings of the Messiah. Jesus in this some way is fulfilling that, that moment. The Messiah has entered into Tyre and Sidon. And he brings with it hope. He brings with it salvation. You know, a marvelous and and as bold as this example of this woman is, uh, we can't miss the point of the real underlying story here of bold faith, of bold moves, I should say, of the real hero with a capital H. That's Jesus. Jesus is actually the one who makes the boldest move of all. Jesus is the one who breaks down the borders that kept humanity separated from God and from one another. Jesus restores the right treatment in place of women today. Do you realize that? Jesus doesn't look down on you, that you're less than, that women are less than men. Men are greater. You should, you know, you should get that through your thick skulls. No, Jesus doesn't think like that because that's not how he looked at you. It's not how he valued. That's not how he made us. And Jesus tears down that border he restores it to the right place. He breaks down that dividing wall between men and women, between Jew and Gentile, by the cross. He levels it all out. Listen to Galatians three twenty-eight: There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's why Christianity rocks. This is the greatest. There is no religion like it because Jesus has done everything And think of it. He doesn't say you're less than or greater than. I'm sorry if you're in Islam today or you know people that, that's not a great religion. You want to know why? It's horrible towards the way they treated people. It's horrible how they believe how you need to be saved if you can be saved. It's horrible in all these ways. Women, I just hear these horror stories of what they do to women and I think, wow, the oppression. Women are equal with us. And praise God for that. Yeah, thank God there are roles. I'm glad I don't have to give birth. I'm glad I don't have to do all of those things that my wife has to do. I, actually, my wife's my hero in a lot of ways. I've told her this many times. I watched how she went through all of those things. And so, uh, uh, Matt, you need to tell your wife that's amazing. That's awesome. I can't believe you did that. You know? Luke, same thing, man. You're just like, whew. That's incredible. You are like superhero status almost, right? And, and, and on top of it, there's so many things, you know, other things that are great about women. But, but you know why they're great, though? It's because they're great in Jesus, because of what he's done at the cross. You know, borders removed, walls down because of Jesus. Jesus is the epitome of bold move. To understand what it meant for Jesus to go where he went and to do what he did 2,000 years ago is truly, truly amazing. It's bold. It's incredible. You know, I think of the, I thought of this line, it's a tenacious faith. He had tenacious faith in the glory of God and doing what he was commissioned to do. And that's how that woman, she had resembled that. She had tenacious faith, and that equaled a gracious response. You know, the result of this woman's faith is definitely that, uh, you know, that she sees Jesus' person and work as the boldest move ever. It's why she can even be bold in her faith, as I've said, Period. Our response today too should be, as this woman's, to boldly proclaim Christ in in word and deed. You can boldly proclaim Christ in word and deed. It's not just for the higher elites. It's not just for the most skilled. Ask yourself something today. Where does God want me to go? Who has God placed around me? Who has God put in my path so that I can be bold and proclaim Christ? What unlikely converts have been added to my life, to your life? They're out there for sure. You can, I don't believe you can ever say, I just don't have any opportunities. I don't think that's true. I think as soon as you leave this building, maybe even in this building today, there are opportunities to be bold and to proclaim Christ in some way. So as shocking as this woman's faith was, why can't you shock those around you? Why can't you go to your family and to your friends? Why can't you go to your coworkers? Why can't you go to the helpless, to the homeless, to the downtrodden, to those that feel that there's nothing, there's no hope in life? Why can't you do that? This isn't to make you feel guilty. This is to encourage you that you can do it. You know why? I just, we just read through of a woman who was the most unlikely of people doing it. You can do this. And it's not just all on you to do it because we've also understood that the big hero in this is Jesus because he's done it. He was the forerunner for us. That's how we can do this. He gives us the strength, the ability, the faith to do it. You know, when it's unpopular, where will we be? When the going gets tough, as Pastor Jay mentioned last week, will we get going? The harvest is ripe. It's definitely ripe right now. I mean, I'm hearing good things. I think we're hearing good things happening around here, around Halifax, around the East Coast, around Canada. We were at a conference and we listened to uh, the regional, no, not the, regional, the, the national director telling us there are all kinds of little fires starting all across Canada in the right way. Yeah. Spiritually, God's awakening people. He's reviving us, I believe. It might start slow, but it starts out small, but it can, it can just take off like a huge fire. So we've seen that boldness breaks down borders. Boldness will break down the borders. By being bold may cause rejection, though. And being bold displays a profound faith, uh, which is incredible. And yet, being bold anticipates a gracious response. You can have a great reward and response from from God when you are faithful to him you may say well I'm really hindered by my health or my life situation I just don't have the the ability to do this I, I don't know how to be bold in my situation I have setbacks all over um, first off I would say don't compare yourself to others don't compare yourself to that person or this person don't focus on them and secondly I would say remember that it's sometimes the very little small things that open the doors you might think, oh, I need to be like super duper good at evangelizing or you know, preaching Christ. Um, I don't think so. I think that God uses ordinary people like this woman, unlikely people to even plant a seed, to just speak his name. If you love him, that's all you need to do. It pleases him. So what does it look like for you? Well, here's another way I think we can, it can help us if we want to apply some things for you and for all of us, in fact, whether we are healthy and whether our life situations are rocking right now, how can we do that? Listen to this quote, and I think it's a way that we can understand that you can be bold. How about in our prayer life? How about we approach this with bold, bold prayers? Maybe it's not so much just you going out to your neighbor or going to your coworker. Maybe it's you like spending more bo- time in bold prayers for them. Listen to this. Let us be sure that no time is so well spent in every day as that which we spend upon our knees. Jesus hears us, and in his own good time will give an answer. Let us remember this story, history, when we intercede for others. Do you have children whose conversion you desire? Have we relationships and friends about whose salvation we are anxious? Let us follow the example of this Gentile woman and lay the state of their souls before Christ. Let us name their names before him night and day and never rest till we have an answer. We we may have to wait many a long year. We may seem to pray in vain and intercede without profit. But let us never give up. Let us believe that Jesus is not changed and that he who heard this desperate mother and granted her request will also hear us and one day give us an answer of peace. Do you believe that? Are you able to speak to your kids? Or unable, I should say. Are you, like, maybe your kids are growing up and it's getting tough. You're like, I don't know what to do. Why am I not able to speak to them about Jesus anymore? They don't want to hear it. They won't hear me. Pray boldly for your sons and daughters. Know this, even when they will not let us speak of salvation to them, they cannot prevent us I'm speaking to God for them. You can pray for them. that's not, not like it's the, it should be the best and first thing that we do every day. You know, parents, uh, myself being one, something that I wrestle with a lot is like, I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing for my kids. I want to make sure that I'm loving them. I love you, Lord, and I love my family. I love my children. Just as this woman, would I loved her child? Would I be like that, too? then protect them at any cost. How do you do that? You intercede on their behalf. You know, though the road may be filled with strife, with pain, with rejection, though the road may be filled with persecution, we don't know what tomorrow brings. We could be persecuted so heavily. Whatever it is, fight boldly to overcome those boundaries and those borders that might prevent us from receiving the reward. Overcome that by being bold in your faith. You know, she was a great example to follow. You don't need to, like I said, you don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to have a PhD. You don't need to go to Bible college. You, You just need to be bold and proclaim Christ. God can use the smallest, the very smallest and most unlikely person to change the course of history. Let's pray. Lord, give us faith. Change our hearts, Lord. Help us to love you and to see the delight that we can have in you, the joy that you have in us when we boldly proclaim Christ, when we live a life that matches that, when we do the things that we say we believe and that are the things of you. Lord, would you stir our hearts? Would you work in us this morning to your glory, to your praise? Bold moves aren't complicated; they just take people to get up and go. Would you do that? Would you stir us, Lord, to get up and go for you? And would we sit back and watch the great results of people changed? We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Please
1: stand with us. Sing loud.
0: that you are loved as Pastor Jay says but know that God wants to do good things in us and through us this week starting today and tomorrow know that you can go out there and pray boldly and do bold things and ask God to do bold things like give us Lower Sackville Lord like not just stop there Lord can you give us Halifax actually I want to be bold Lord would you give us Nova Scotia? Would you pray like that? Would you give us the East Coast, Lord, all to your glory? Know that God can do this, that he will revive us, people. He will if we will trust him and go and serve him like that. So be blessed this week, knowing that you have a good God that will do incredible things. Be blessed.
1: With all heaven saved, And all earth Lord One holy King Highest the high stone.